The content found on thebestdayever.com from David Wolf and New Horizon Health, Inc. is for informational purposes only and is in no way intended as medical advice, as a substitute for medical counseling, or as treatment cure for any disease or health condition, and nor should it be construed as such because that would be illegal. Always work with a qualified health professional before making any changes to your diet, supplement use, prescription drug use, lifestyle, or exercise activities. Please understand that you assume all risks from the use, non-use, or misuse of this information. Welcome, everyone. This is your host, Lucian Gothier, and I am here with Dr. Bob Marshall. Dr. Bob Marshall recently spoke at our Longevity Now conference, and he is here today joining us to talk about vitamin E, specifically in its tocotrienol form. This is something that David has been talking about for many years. Also, Truth Calkins is a great advocate for tocotrienols, and it's something that fits greatly into our smoothies. It's a creamer. It can really bring some life into a raw ice cream and other things. Traditionally, it's a very expensive supplement, but now, Dr. Bob, we're able to get tocotrienols in a much more kind of uh, available form just price-wise. So I'd like to talk to you about vitamin E in tocotrienol form and your understanding of that. Well, vitamin E was discovered uh, way back in the early 1900s. It was always believed that the tocopherols were the players and that in particular D-alpha tocopherol was the main event. But as years have gone on, we've realized that there's a synergy of the alpha and the various other forms of the tocopherol. But along came a guy named Barry Tan about five, eight, ten years ago, and he had spent almost 25 years at that point in time in his life studying tocotrienols, which are the other side of the vitamin E family. So the vitamin E family is composed of tocopherols and tocotrienols. And mm-hmm. He quickly showed that the far more active form of the vitamin E was the delta tocotrienol. And my concern with all these things, in fact, what they've done then is to to isolate the uh, delta and uh, the alpha tocotrienol and put those in a supplement, and they're very powerful, very powerful. I mean, he has shown they have beneficial effects on cholesterol, cardiovascular system, powerful agent to promote healthy inflammatory response. There, there's no doubt that this is a, a superstar. You take this with foods that have the synergist cofactors and transporters, and what would that be? That would be things like rice bran. Stabilized rice bran it has the tocotrienols, but more importantly, it has all these key synergies, cofactors, and essential transporters. That's the thing we don't want to lose sight of when we use a supplement. That's the key player that makes someone who understands raw food uh, head and shoulders health-wise above someone who doesn't understand that. When we're constantly taking isolates, we're expecting the body to produce all these other compounds. Whoa. So I'm a big fan of Delta Tocotrienol. I think it's the best in the text of a whole food diet, a raw food diet, and bringing the the origin foods for this, which are things like rice bran. I think this is, is, no one discusses this, and I really think David Wolf has got the corner on this. Um, so using something like this with a backdrop of these other raw foods, I think it's going to be spectacular. 
Okay, fantastic. And vitamin E and its relationship to the cardiovascular system, it's been kind of tossed around and studied the relationship between vitamin E and the cardiovascular system. And can you talk a little bit about the significance in terms of discovery between something like, for example, vitamin C versus vitamin E? Because vitamin C seems to have a lot more prominence to it. Everyone knows about vitamin C. If you get a cold, the first thing someone says is vitamin C. But vitamin E doesn't seem to kind of carry the same weight as something like vitamin C. The Shute brothers were the boys in the 1950s who, uh, Evan Shute and his brother, um, had discovered vitamin E and shown that it could be a real benefit cardiovascularly. However, when people were using this, the benefits were, were nominal. When Barry Tan got into this and was researching Anato uh, and found this Delta tocotrienol, he, of course, has spent almost 30 years at this point or more on this research. And I think the the benefit to the circulatory tree and the cardiovascular benefit of the Delta tocotrienol is uh, spectacular compared to uh, the D-alpha tocopherol that was touted in Evan Shute's day. But again, it's all part of the family. And when Shute was using this, I think he was getting some benefits from the whole family that were not available with just the isolated D-alpha tocopherol. And as I said uh, in my prior interview, we made the point that in history, we began searching for these nutrients because we were starting to see diseases that were really the result of our white flour and white sugar consumption. And so biochemistry was sort of birthed as a result of (laughs) food processing. Mm. And I I really think most people don't have that as a picture. And so originally, uh, vitamin E was this conglomerate uh, liquid, um, and uh, it was considered magic. Originally, um, and let me define magic. Magic is science that we don't yet understand. Vitamin C, the same thing happened. We we observed that if you had limes, that uh, they, uh, the sailors, the English sailors, would not get scurvy. So uh, that's how they would carry limes on board, and they were called limeys. And that's where that term came from. But we got so smart that we isolated ascorbic acid. And the amusing part of ascorbic acid is someone waved his hands at the FDA and pronounced ascorbic acid to be vitamin C. And, of course, the whole public went along with it, and ascorbic acid became vitamin C. There's just one little problem. It does not meet the definition, the first definition of vitamin C, and that is that it would cure scurvy, because ascorbic acid alone won't cure scurvy. So we begin to see that we've isolated a compound, ascorbic acid. And we think it's great, but every time you take pure ascorbic acid, every 500 milligrams costs you 50 milligrams of skeletal calcium or 50 milligrams of your soft tissue calcium reserve if you have such a thing. Meanwhile, what else does it do? It's quickly oxidized and becomes dihydroascorbate. Ooh. Now, this guy, if there's any rock forms of iron around, you eat any white flour, can now really mess up the brain. Okay. Interesting. So what was the original raw food plan for vitamin C? 
Oh, so glad you asked. It would be Kamu Kamu, or it would be rose hips, or it would be um, some other natural source. And what's the difference between the ascorbic acid found in this natural source and the stuff that we highly refined from corn? Well, the difference is the synergists, cofactors, and essential transporters, and in particular, one player, bioflavonoids. See, when the vitamin C, when the ascorbic acid goes to work in the real vitamin C complex, it's immediately oxidized. It now bumps into a bioflavonoid, and it's immediately reduced, ready to be used again. So for the sake of the layperson, I've got to cover just a couple of concepts. I really try to stay away from them because I have computers and I really don't like the explanations I get with words I've never heard. So I try not to do that to anybody else. Anyway, um, the, there's a two-step dance in biochemistry. It's called oxidation and reduction. And my favorite example is a beautiful leaf on a tree would be the reduced form. After I burn it in the fire, it's the oxidized form. So the bioflavonoid unburns the, the ascorbic acid. And so in food that is rich in vitamin C, we have the bioflavonoids as the continual regenerator or reducer of the, of the worker ascorbic acid. And see, I think that that um, the reason vitamin C isn't even more spectacular is that we're continuing to sell ascorbic acid as masquerading as vitamin C. And Dr. Bob, does vitamin E sort of have the same counterpart? Is there, I know vitamin E is used a lot in skin creams. Is there sort of, I, I love the term that you used uh, in an earlier interview. You said counterfeit nutrient or counterfeit mineral. Uh, it's just phenomenal. Actually, I think, I think I want to name this interview, you know, the, you know, how to spot counterfeit vitamins and minerals because that's what they are and it's such a perfect term. Well, I think it is. I, I think it, it looks like it and it's got this science supposedly behind it. But, you know, the science, it's just so flawed because what you do when you examine these things is you have a very short window. You're looking at 90 days or 30 days. The damage from having non-live source compounds cannot be assayed or, or quantified in 60 or 30 or 90 days. You need a year or two or more. And none of our studies are done in a window of that time. That's why things like alpha-lipoic acid as an isolate and made from chemicals seems to be pretty darn good because they do 90, 120-day studies. So now let's talk about vitamin E. And the reason I went off on this long thing on ascorbic acid was because we have the exact same problem with vitamin E. So we have called D-alpha-tocopherol, vitamin E, when you can clearly see that it should be a complex, we have also made a synthetic of it, a non-live source called DL-alpha-tocopherol. DL is the counterfeit. <laughs> I like your term. Very interesting. And so now we put this in a skin cream, and uh, it might function as a preservative, but it may also actually irritate the skin. And... This, again, is so isolated 
that the typical activity that was attributed to vitamin E cannot be attributed to this compound. It's a it's related but not the same. And Dr. Bob, I'd like to ask you a question related to, you know, these type of inert or dead minerals. When we take them in isolated form and we dig them up out of the earth and they're they're sort of unusable by the human body, is there a process by which we could take those harmful isolated minerals and nutrients and by putting them in some kind of a fermentation process, maybe even something like a, a sauerkraut or a kimchi or maybe some scientific way of fermenting them, could could the bacteria, quote-unquote, bring them back to life? These minerals are reactive, okay? But they are not reactive in a matrix that a living thing can use. The plan of this planet, the best that I can tell, is that these rocks that were in the soil can be quickly metabolized to a matrix that uh, a higher level organism can use. So I am not able to eat a rock very well if I take, say, calcium carbonate, for example, and I eat it and I have high HCL, I can break down and maybe absorb 30, 40% of it, maybe. But let's say I have low HCL, uh, I might not even be able to uptake 5%. But I'm not engineered for this job. That's a, a, a an inappropriate use. I'm engineered to feed plants a lush matrix of nutrition. And the man who did so much work for this was a man named Albrecht. And uh, his books still live, and they're fantastic books, through an organization called Acres USA. And uh, its founder, Charlie Walters Sr., was a real hero. And he showed how important it is to have composting, how important it is to have the appropriate soil matrix. Now these minerals that are not inert, they're active, but now these minerals can be uptaken into the plant and formed in a matrix that has the combination lock to go right into your cell. And the reason that what we've done with our food through the USDA and through the synthetic chemical fertilization like NPK is so devastating is that it disrupts this process and it produces what I would call an empty harvest. And it looks good, but it's uh, it's kind of like an old Corvette. A lot of show, no go. Uh, the, the basic power is not there. So the ultimate solution has to be to return to this this ideal soil form and get our minerals this way. Now, there are certain plants and animals that have done a good job uh, making something easily biologically available. There are very few of them. Uh, in searching the world and in examining coral, we find that um, there are over uh, something like 2,800 species of coral. But there was only one that's ever been discovered where the minerals were highly bioavailable. There was two parts calcium, one part magnesium, and it was a once living source, the matrix of which is calcium carbonate. So most people will dismiss it. Calcium carbonate, it's a rock. No, that's commonly seen and almost useless. But in the case of this one coral, this sango marine coral, 
you've got the living matrix, and you could use this, but this is not calcium. Like David Wolf said, this is an entire matrix of living minerals, and it's one that I use. But I, I want to quickly say before I, uh, before I close on this subject <laughs> that my favorite way to get minerals is low-temperature, air-dried grasses because mm. these guys contain the minerals in a perfect living matrix that does not present any stress to the kidney. So I recommend a coral for people as a quick and dirty as long as the kidney is very healthy. If it's not, or if you want the best, then you get your minerals from, and you, you get this whole living mineral matrix from air-dried grasses, and you can do a very simple, quick pH test where you get a roll of pH paper, uh, which ranges 5, 5 to 8 in steps of two-tenths of a pH except the first step. You pass it through your first morning urine, and it should be green, 6, 4 to 7, 0. If it's too high, you know that you're making ammonia and you're in deep trouble. If it's too low, you know that you need more minerals in both cases, but you'll see a lot of elderly women and others who have been making ammonia for 20, 30 years. They can barely do it, so they still show in the ideal range, yet they're osteoporotic or osteopenic, so you know it's ammonia, and as soon as you give them a mineral source, they crash down to the five, and then they have to grudgingly work their way back up. And so, the to me, always the live raw food source <laughs> is the winner, and I think you can begin to see that very quickly. All right, Dr. Bob, I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're listening to this interview, you've been listening to Dr. Bob Marshall, who spoke at our Longevity Now conference. We are also very proud to carry some of his products at the Longevity Warehouse. So if you go to longevitywarehouse.com and you click on Shop by Brand, you will see Dr. Bob's company there. It's just a phenomenal company. We really support what he's doing. We really love the quality of his products. Your labs are producing some just phenomenal supplements that are really over the long term, going to serve us very well, and we we try to hold every other company to your standard, Doctor Bob. So we're really we're really happy to be <laughs> Thank associated you very with much. you. <laughs> you realize that we are producing live source, that we are screening these things with uh, near infrared fingerprinting. We're doing all the normal microbiological testing, but we have eliminated any irradiated or heat treated many many of the incoming supplements and many of the incoming raw materials now are sterilized by heat treatment or gamma radiation we eliminate all of those as well and so um, we also produce an excipient free line and uh, uh, hopefully uh, you'll get a chance to see that through the longevity warehouse quantum nutrition labs and thank you very much for letting me uh, coming into my world and letting me share that with some people because um, it's my fantasy that we can retake outrageous health for the whole country. Thank you so much. So once again, just click on that Quantum Nutrition Labs on the Shop by Brand link, and it'll take you right to our page. We're carrying six of his products at the moment. Hopefully we'll be carrying more in the near future. Sounds great. Thanks for the opportunity. 